Welcome to the Healthy Dog Pod. Um, today we've got just me and Sophie in the... Oh, wow. That's an intro. Fantastic. We're off. Okay. Because we're on camera now. We can like, do funny things and you guys can see it oh, if you watch the video. Does that mean you're going to try to be funny? I am funny. Okay. <laughs> you know I'm more funny than you. That's good England. And we're off. <laughs> What are yeah. we talking about today? What are we talking about? We're talking about dog play, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, dogs playing with each other and with us. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is, what it isn't, uh, how we interact with our dogs and the effects it can have and the way that we do it. So, and yeah, it sounds really obvious, but... The, the but one, it's not. No, hey. exactly. So, we, the, one yeah. of the things we wanted to go into today was the detail of it. And it re- is really detailed. Because mm. play between dogs is a conversation. It's a series series of invites and backoffs, and asking for space and trying to you know entice the other one back into the into the game. Um, and then nonverbal communicators, and so that means that their body language during play is them expressing how they feel. And it's quite fascinating if you really watch it up close. Yeah, and I think every dog um, plays differently. I'm going to bring the example of dash hounds. Of they're, course. <laughs> they're like bum players. They're like put their bum into the other dog. They do. Bum players. <laughs> bum players. Fantastic. That is, that is great. <laughs> as soon as it came out, I was like, just keep rolling with well, it. She said it. <laughs> so they use their bum to knock the other dog out of the way and they do little army rolls as well. Um, they do play vows, but that's mostly how they play. They'll like shuffle the other dog out of the way with yeah. their bum. So every dog plays a bit differently. Like a, like a bull breed will typically got a big strong chest. They're going to plow through. Yeah. Try and pin a lot. They try and wrestle. They, like, they, they find it. Um, rewarding to you know get the other one on the ground and fuck around with it a bit and yeah they like mouthing the sides of the face um pulling that skin yeah <laughs> all that, all that <laughs> excess skin, skin. <laughs> face skin <laughs> oh god you are on fire uh, coffee's um, just kicked in <laughs> <laughs> um poodles have extremely light on their feet. Yeah. Um, and very good at creating space and using that turn of pace and change of direction to their advantage. And they enjoy keeping others at bay, typically. I mean, they're all talking about breed stereotypes here. Of course, everybody's got that individual dog that is different. Yeah. You've got herding dogs. They like herding more than playing. Yeah. Um, that's what they defer to. Um, and... You know, to, to tie this into previous episodes where we've talked about um, what dogs are trying to achieve in their motive when they when they are behaving, they are trying to achieve positive outcomes for them, um, and so that means that they're going to play in a way that they enjoy. That just um, reminded me of something. I uh, was with my sister in Melbourne, and we took her dog Kevin, yes, Kevin, GSP to the park, and. I met a dog that I was so interested in, um, a pharaoh dog, pharaoh hound. And I went up to the guy and I was like, oh, is that a pharaoh hound? He's like, 
yes, how did you know? And I was like, I'm a dog trainer. But I've never seen one, like, in the real... In the flesh. Well, in the in flesh. The I was going to say in the flesh. But <laughs> and the way that dog played or wanted to play was so interesting. It would just run and get the dogs to chase it. And it turned so quickly and, and no one could catch it. Yeah. It was incredible. And that's what it enjoyed and how it played with the other dogs. Yeah. And it was just interesting to see. That's it. And like you, the common example of that might be a, a whippet. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we see more whippets and fairhounds, but they're essentially the same strength, their yeah. speed. And um, they enjoy being chased yeah. because they don't, because nine times out of 10, they don't get caught. <laughs> so, um, when a poodle mix or a poodle uh, finally gets caught, the amount of times I've seen a poodle squeal when another dog just tags it. Yeah. It's not, it's panic. It literally didn't see it coming <laughs> because it's so used to avoiding all the time. And it goes, oh, my God, what the fuck happened there? How did you get me? Yeah. I'm Usain Bolt. <laughs> I'm Usain Bolt. <laughs> um, but it's, um, it's very much like a dog will play to its strengths. And that makes yeah. perfect sense. So the, you know, the weekend I was training a dog. Um, and this is where when it comes to training, we're going to go into this more. But um, the dog was a barker to throw the ball and it, and I'm, you know, and I'm like, look, you don't want to reward pushy, shitty behavior. It's, no. it's a shit trait. And you're, at the end of the day, you're frustrated. If you haven't got a problem with it, so be it, whatever. But, but people think that that's normal well, or it's like they're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, they are, they, they are and they aren't, you know, it yeah. is, it is normal. Cause if that's what that, that's all that dog does It's normal in that context. Um, it is excited. It, the dog is happy. To be playing that way. But at the end of the day, there are two parties to every conversation minimum. Mm -hmm. And unless you're mental and talking to yourself. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there essentially there's two voices. And one of them, polite play, in order for, it to, for, in order for play to be polite, the conversation has to... What's the word? Like, both parties have to feel heard. Yes. And in this moment, in this training example, the human didn't feel hurt. The, dog, the human had no communication skills with this dog. dog had plenty. The dog was constantly like, I want this. And out of love, the human was going, yes, sir, no problem. I'll go and get that for you right away, sir. And then complaining that the dog never did what it's asked. Play is a resource. The toy is a resource. Use the resources you have available to you to create the communication pattern that you would like. So what I was explaining to the owner was very simple. If you don't want the dog to be pushy, I'm not saying don't throw the ball. I'm saying ask it to do something before you give it the ball. Yeah. So sit. Ask it to think. Yeah, exactly. Engage yeah. the thinking side of the brain and enter a conversation with your dog. And it's common sense. I think a lot of people... Um, wouldn't even think twice about it with food. Oh, he's got to sit for his treat. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. But play, nobody thinks about it like that. Because I don't think people know how to play with their dog. No. Like in an engaging way. No. It, in, it's right. It's got to be a conversation between the two individuals that are there. And when, you know, when you're interacting with your dog, when you're in your presence of your dog, you are training it whether you like it or not. Yeah. But when you fully step in and engage with your dog in play 
whether it be a toy, your hands, or just you, you know, chase games or body language games, you've now entered a conversation in their language, body language, and it's really important to know how to bloody speak it. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna, you, you know, you're gonna create a stupid ass dog with stupid ass communication patterns. You know, you, the, the play style you have with your dog will set it up for its play style and communication patterns with others, people, dogs, everything. So, for example, if you've got a dog at home that you only ever can throw the ball, and you know, just you're a catapult, you're just there. The dog drops it, you pick it up, love it, pick it up, love it, pick it up, love it. You could do that. That's where you're not involved. You're not communicating. What happens when that dog then goes to interact with another dog, or in another scenario, um, you know, maybe it just wants food, or maybe it just, you know, just wants something. It's never learned how to do anything in response for it. So you just got a brat. Yeah. <laughs> You've created an absolute bloody monster. Um, so it's play style will be pushing in. Hello. Pushing into other dogs. That was just really good timing. So I knocked that. <laughs> and then and we got an email at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the dog doesn't learn how to play politely. Yeah. I uh, think that's where, um, I think I've said this before, my sister's blue healer. Yeah. How they would just throw the ball, throw the ball at the park, and it was just bowling over other dogs because it was just so focused on the ball. And then they took the, they didn't take the ball to the park, and she didn't know how to interact with other dogs. Yeah. She was like, "What? Oh, where's the ball? Yeah. What are we doing? Because it doesn't know how to engage others. Yeah. It doesn't know how to think. And they weren't communicating with her. They yeah. were just being that catapult, throwing, 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 throwing. Yeah. Let's go into dog play. Yeah. You know, so like I say, it, it's a it's a conversation right from the off. And so you've got two dogs that have met each other and they want to, you know, they're, they're now having this, yeah, see how it goes. One of them offers to play ball, right? And, and it's a really socially appropriate behavior in, in many ways. Like it's trying to achieve positive outcomes for itself. And in the past, it's learned play is rewarding. So first of all, you've got to, what you've got to do is recognize whether the dog is uncomfortable and trying to play to make itself comfortable. Yeah. Because... That could be a problem if the other dog is actually saying, fuck off. Yeah. And that's the reason why the other dog's uncomfortable. That dog doesn't want it to be, doesn't want to be played with. It's like, don't let it play in that moment. Because we see that a lot too. Heaps. In, um, we've got the social group class as well. Hmm. We have a lot of dogs that play when they get uncomfortable. And that's really interesting. Yeah. Like, as it used as like a displacement behavior. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm not sure. Play. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you can see them. They're trying to get it right. They're trying to. Yeah. They really are trying to be nice dogs uh, in the sense that they just want positive outcomes. As always, they're trying to avoid conflict. Yeah. Um. And but the, and as an owner, if you watch that, right, the dog that is asking for space, the dog that's gone. Hey, I just I don't know you that well. I don't want to play right now. And the dog and the other ones going into the play bow. Nine times out of ten, because of our perception of like mis, 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 misperception of dog behavior. The dog that is asking for space or being grumpy is called antisocial. And the dog that's trying to play is considered social. I personally, I don't agree. I think the dog that, if that dog wants to play, walks away in that moment, both dogs are social. Yeah. Both dogs are behaving in a socially appropriate manner. It's not always appropriate to play. That's okay. If one dog is asking for space... And the other dog is playing like relentlessly and trying to push its own agenda, then it's 
not being it's being antisocial, and it's uh, it's not behaving in a socially appropriate manner. This is what yeah. I mean by it's conversation. One dog is just being pretty fucking normal and going, "What are you doing, mate? I just wanted some space. I barely know you. Why are you in my grill?" I think that's the main thing too. We have to remember is that everyone thinks that dogs are going to be friends with every dog. Magic best friend. Not what? Magic best friend. <laughs> Not all humans are friends with humans. Like you don't like everybody, and it's just this. In society today, we think, oh yeah, every dog's going to get along with every dog, and every dog's going to play and be best friends. But that's, that's not the case. And I think I just want to say that's something that we need to remember as well. So if your dog doesn't play with a particular dog, don't get angry at the dog. Don't get frustrated. It's just saying, I'm not sure about that dog. I'm, I need some space. I want to go away. Absolutely. Like if if your dog is the dog that walks down the street and wants to say hello, hello, hi. <laughs> God, I'm so glad the camera wasn't on me then. Ah. Um, uh, wants to go up to every dog and wants to play with every single dog. Your dog is not behaving in a socially appropriate manner. It's not He's reading. the guy on the street giving free hugs, not wearing a sign. He's just, <laughs> you know, nobody wants that guy. You know, if you walk down the street yeah. and you see this sign saying free hugs, at least he's giving you a warning. Yeah. Your dog isn't even wearing a fucking sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> but as I'm walking down the street... I don't want to be hugged by everyone. I barely want to say hello to most people. Yeah, um, you put your head down, hey. No, I'm the, or you I'm, smile sometimes. You know what I'm like? I'm the guy that's literally walking along going, hey, hey. But Everyone's like, this one of my Lunatic. <laughs> but I'm not going to overimpose. I'm not going to say. No. It's if there's eye contact, I'm the, I'll am the. i be the first one to go, hey, have a nice day. Yeah, or something or weird. smile. Like, I'll, be yeah. the, I'll be the weird or one. Something there. weird. <laughs> You're that dog, are you? I am. I'm the one. Hey, just move on. But, um... But I'm, but I won't do it. And if if you don't engage me, after if you've got your head down, you're walking past me. I'm not going to yeah. tap you on the shoulder and go. Excuse want, me. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Can we play? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so bear that in mind. Like you know, when you're out on the streets, uh, you're, you're bumping into strangers and acquaintances for the most part. Mm-hmm. You might see a friend, but then even then, like I've got my best mate. All right. Hi. <laughs> you jumped to a big conclusion there, didn't you? <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> anyway, so I, so I bump into this, my best friend. And Not so. <laughs> um, if I bump into him in the pub, I'm probably gonna have a fucking great time. I'm gonna go and play. You know. Yeah. If I bump into him in the middle of a work day, or you know, if uh, if I'm busy, if I'm just in the middle of doing my cold shopping, whatever. I ain't going to start fucking messing around all that much. Might have a bit of a laugh. Might have a bit better. But I ain't kind of... It's time appropriate, you know? Like yeah. Situ- it's situational, uh, situationally appropriate. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, like, it's okay to not do that all the time. And that's what we've talked in the past. And listen to the... Go back and listen to the socializing episode. Like, a lot of that is very related to this. Um... Yeah, that's like Harry the Cavalier. So, at the start, they kind of let him like meet every dog and play with every dog, and he just got way too overstimulated, way too excited, even with people as well. So he'd see a person, he'd be like, "Oh my god!" And then that person would be like, "Oh, look at you, so cute!" And then he was like, "Oh, I got a reaction from that," and just kept doing it, kept doing it. So I actually had to, and we all had to start avoiding dogs for the moment because he couldn't 
cope. Yeah. He just was silly. He couldn't read the body language. He wasn't thinking. He wasn't in the right frame of mind. So I was like, it's not appropriate for him to interact. So we're going to avoid it. And people would <laughs> people would try and cross the road and like come over. And then I'd like walk the other way. And they kind of thought I was so rude. The thing is, I was saying this in a consult on the weekend. I'm not a rude person, but when I'm not, (laughs) but when I'm walking dogs, I can be quite rude because I'm looking out for the dog and I'm looking out for, you know, if it's appropriate for them to play or if it's the right time for them to meet another dog. And I think that's really important. So if you do see me on the street. You're not being rude. You might be perceived as being rude. Yeah. Sorry. If they don't understand, but that's like, you know, somebody else's perception without, with very, very limited information on you know, what's actually going on. Yeah, I'm trying to look after the dog's needs. Mm. Um, so I will avoid people, I will avoid dogs until it's the right environment or the right time for them to play. No, Harry Harry was a good example of what... Oh, Harry. Uh, oh, Harry. <laughs> he was a good example of what, what can happen if you only let your dog play, play, play. Mm-hmm. What he'd learnt was an association of high arousal to the point of hyper arousal Lizard brain. When, yeah, lizard brain. Whenever he was up in, in another personal space. That is the equivalent of, you know, every time I saw someone, I was just trying to kill them. <laughs> it's fucking intense. Right? <laughs> you know, you know, I did it. I'm on camera. Great. And oh my God, God, I'll get used to that one day. Um, it's weird, though, if you think about it like that. Like, and that's why. We create a distance, increase the distance to normalize it because dogs communicate through eye contact and body language. And when too close, Harry's brain would get overstimulated. He would no longer be thinking, he'd be acting reflexively and result to tickling the dog. And (laughs) yeah, I said it. And um, if we consistently, and what we did was consistently kept a distance Mm -hmm. so that Harry could remain in the thinking side of his brain so that when he saw another dog, he could learn what the other dog was saying, learn and repeat uh, socially appropriate behaviors. And once that became normalized and solidified as a behavior, we could start asking for the same response from Harry gradually closer to the other dog. Yeah. So that's when I'd pair him Mm. with suitable dogs and he started to read body language and learn, you know, okay, you actually don't want to play with me. (laughs) Jazz, 14-year-old Staffy. Yeah. She's just like, no. And then he was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he'd try again. And then he'd be like, okay, okay, we're just walking. And as a dog owner and dog trainer, what we were doing was socializing him. Yeah. Because we were creating socially appropriate behaviors. It's like when I uh, did, I had a job, I had another job at the weekend where the dog was very nice, very social, wanted to go and say hello to everybody. In that. What kind but of dog? It was a rescue, staffy, Ridgeback Cross thing. It was lovely. Mm. About a year old, a bit hyper, just come out of the pound. Um, and in the consult, I said to them, look, we, what we're going to practice today is walking past other dogs without him getting in their grill. Like, yeah, that's, that's what they needed help with at the end of the day. That's what they were struggling with and one of the main reasons I was there. But not only that, I, I wanted to make it clear to them that I didn't want them to stop taking him to the dog park. I didn't want them to want this training method to apply if they saw a friend and like the dog friend and the dog liked it or a human that the dog liked. But they didn't need help 
with that dog interacting with others in that place because it was very friendly like in the sense that it was there was no malice it was just like a very nice dog when it was interacting they needed help in that training session walking past so we didn't put any emphasis on the bit they needed help in in the session i put emphasis on the bit they needed help with but um sometimes as a dog trainer you walk out of it and go oh i hope that's not that's what I say. I, I never want them to think in that moment that that's all I want from them. But as a dog trainer, there's no point in me st- stood there going, yeah, just let him say hello, and just let him say hello, and just let him say hello. We spent a couple of hours working on the opposite because that was what they were struggling with. Yeah. It just doesn't mean that's all I want from them. Yeah. So let's carry on with the whole dog interaction thing. You know, So now we've got one dog's gestured play, and now the other dog's gestured, I want to play too. Great. Game on, right? Just because they both want to play in that moment, it then you're now learning how the other dog plays. You know, you might end up with a dog that likes pinning versus a dog that likes chasing. And very quickly, the dog that likes being, uh, sorry, likes being chased. Um, the dog that likes being chased would probably not very comfortable being pinned. Um, and so will not enjoy that playmate potentially. You've got the dog then that maybe likes pinning and doesn't want to chase and gets real frustrated. One of the things we see is, you know, when a, um, a, pit, a dog that likes pinning is chasing and starts barking because it can't catch. Yeah, it's That's getting frustrated. Fr- it's getting frustrated, yeah. yeah. Um, another uh, thing to look out for is like when two dogs are very good at pinning, not very used to being pinned. Like, they're both good at it. Yeah. You know, you got a bit of a recipe for disaster there because... And it can look like that odd school where they're trying to dominate one another. Like, they're not trying to influence each other's fucking emotions. They're just both not used to being pinned. So yeah. they both get higher and higher and end up in a wrestling match. And it's a bloody good one. It's like the old, really good old wrestling match. But the goal is to play the way they know and they're comfortable with. Yeah. I think the other thing with play as well is people get scared to interrupt play as well mm. people are like oh just let it go and they'll work it out like actually you probably need to separate that give them a sec bring them back in well, is what, it still appropriate yes know, or no what body language do you, you know this sort of thing what we can help with people with here i reckon is like just saying like what body language you'd be looking for if uh, to, to step in and avoid play because oh not avoid play sorry so step in and interrupt play yeah um you know, if you see a dog consistently, like, turning his butt towards, like, reversing his shoulders back and, like, hold, like fixing a bit of a stare on that dog, like, mate, I just want a bit of fucking space, that dog is asking for space. Yeah. You know, if the dog is legging it. <laughs> yeah, or hiding too. That's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Circling back around to the owner. Yeah. Seeking out comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be on its back kicking the other dog off. Yeah, it might just it might have its head low and just be you know just trying to avoid. But what you're looking for basically is when one dog starts to diffuse the conversation, make sure the other one listens. Yeah, that's what we're asking for. Um, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't necessarily have to be game over altogether. But no, use a whistle, name, clap to get through to the dog, lift both dogs' heads up, get them. What was what was that? Call them over. Sit, settle, reset, reduce their arousal level. You're asking them in this moment if they can sit and settle and relax 
And then if they once they can, go off and play again, because you're both now back in your thinking brain and more likely to be able to hear and listen to one another. Yeah. If they can't, that means that they... Rule of thumb, if your dog can't hear you, your dog can't hear the other. Yeah. So use it as a gauge. Interrupt regularly. Come over here, sit, settle. Thank you. Pay, pay, pay. Yeah. And then off. And off you go again, mate. Yeah. If your dog can't hear that, then that gain, that's, that's a problem. That's the problem. They're not in the frame of mind for listening and receiving information, which is an antisocial frame of mind in which so they're not probably playing. I think in puppy school, when we focus on play towards the end of the uh, each session, it's really interesting over time to see the friendships and communication. Some of them develop and they're really lovely. And then some of them aren't appropriate to play with some other dogs, which is fine, which happens. Um, but the one thing I see on the first session is you'll have two dogs and the owners will be like, play, come on, play. I'm like, okay, don't force them. Just let them go. They'll be sniffing around. It's a new area, new environment. If they don't play tonight, then that's that's fine. But, you know, when they do play, it's so beautiful to see when they back off and then they come back together yeah. and then they back off. I'm like, everybody, look at this. This is amazing play. They're reading each other's body language and they're separating and they're coming back and they're like, okay, I had enough. Okay, coming back. It's so beautiful. It's a, I love com- it. it's a, it's a, it's a conversation. It's like yeah. a little dance. Not that I can dance. Give us a little jig. Not it's on chance. me, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't that one. Um, right. But it is. Um, it is a back and forth. And, uh, you know, we're, like in that puppy school, that's what, and we've said this before, but like when we're bringing a dog into puppy school, we ask them to sit next to their owner and pay attention to the owner or just at least look around, around use yeah. their eye contact and go, all right, the dog doesn't want me over in its space. That dog definitely does. You're probably going to be my best friend ever. But let's wait. Um, and learning how to decompress and relax with one another and learning those subtle body language cues, making sure that by the time they go into that play conversation, they're not just hyper. Yeah. And they are in a frame of mind where they can receive information. Yeah. And you can always tell, well, I can always tell who's going to play nicely with each other. I have mm. a pretty good gauge being like, okay. I can see you, I can see you, you guys seem pretty good, but I'll test out everyone. And then sometimes some dogs just won't play with a particular dog. Because I'll be like, you two just cannot play together. You can't read each other, but you two, you two are great together. Yeah. You two can keep playing. One of my favorite... Um, only only one and one. So only two at a time. Yeah. So I should say that. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Like yeah. One of the things that we really try to encourage is, you know, especially when learning how to play in yeah. these puppy stages. You learn, they learn, remember, when learning how to play, what they're doing is learning how to converse. They're learning how to communicate in a socially appropriate manner, not just learning how to play. Yeah. Um, play forms communication patterns for, the, for when they're older. That's what we're going to remember is it's not just fun and fucking games. It is forming their communication patterns. And one of the things, my favorite... Um, my favorite uh, thing to see is when a big, big dog, in comparison to the dog it's engaging with, um, softens itself to make the other, um, to, to show the other that it is not a threat. And it, whether it just gently rolls, it slows its motion down, you know, it might just lay down and just offer just a little paw to play with so that the little one's more comfortable, holds enough distance to show that it's not a threat. Just for me, 
that that yeah. actually is just it just makes me happy that is the most social dog ever yeah and i don't need that for me it just makes me happy i know it's it's, it's no it's good because people think oh you know big dogs and little dogs can't play oh. they can't yeah. they can't play I, my sister's got a blue healer and my parents have a dash hound. yeah and they play and sometimes yeah she gets annoyed and she'll like hold it down and be like stop moving mm. and then he'll go away he'll be like okay I'm done. I put up a, I put up a social media post about that exact you did? thing. Yeah, this yeah. morning. But that um, and today of recording this morning. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, but that obviously that'll be a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like stopping the other dog. Yeah. And so, I think uh, Don was saying, you know, um, that when a dog wants play to finish, you know, we talked about those avoidance things and trying to finish the game, but if they're not heard, yeah, then they're going to be forced to really escalate their behavior. Yeah. And they might piss bolt out there and run off, or they might try and really stop the other dog moving. Yeah. And that is the dog no longer playing and saying, you need to stop, mate. I'm not feeling heard. You just need to stop bloody moving. Yeah. And, you know, Rosie, the cattle dog you're talking about, she's got a low, because of her, same cattle dog that you were saying you know, with the, the with the ball, she's yeah. got limited communication skills. So that means she can only cope with so much as well as... 100%. Yeah. So when Trevor and that are like... Winston. Winston. <laughs> when, when Winston <laughs> they're all human names. <laughs> yeah. um, when, they're, uh, when they're playing with her, they might not know how to, when to stop. No, For, for many don't. reasons. Like one, you know, they're dashens, they're prone to getting overstimulated. Rosie, though doesn't really know how to stop a game doesn't really know how to do it she's weird right when mm. she's interacting she's like yeah bit of a lemon and <laughs> she's like just that's enough Boom, stop the game yeah if if dogs are very very good at communicating and this is the plan remember when we're trying to get them to play we're trying to get them to build communication patterns they can diffuse it so much easier and earlier and also understand what that communication pattern means and that's why it's so important to make sure that these games aren't higher hyper arousal. Yeah. Because they can't process information. Don't add anything to it. No. Don't add balls. Don't no. add toys. Just don't, don't add a third party. No, just let them it's like we were speaking and someone else is trying to speak to us while we're talking. Yeah, only one at a time really. Yeah. You're yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah. Say so like you're in a Meeting, class meeting, or a classroom, or anything where there's more than two individuals, one at a time, please. How many times do we hear that? Like hands up. Yeah, it's it's just manners. Yeah. Right. We but um, don't, so don't set your dogs up to fail by putting them in these mosh pit. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that mosh. <laughs> wow, we're on a roll today. Oh, we just. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us on to you know. Our next thing, which is like how we engage with our dogs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of factors. One, most people, not most people, but a lot of people, I reckon this is probably news <laughs> to them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I reckon it's, for me, it's common sense. I've been studying it for a long, long time. Yeah. But, and, but hopefully, when you think about it, and hopefully the way we've explained it, it highlights how obvious it is when you actually think about it. Um. And I said it at the start, you know, you're, when you're around your dog, you're communicating with them. And so your dog is learning communication patterns. So if you become that catapult that just throws the ball without ever asking them of it, you're going to 
create a monster of a dog. And if you've got a dog that is um, ball fixated or you know movement fixated, you're going to get that dog chase it over and over again, over and over again, and to the point where it doesn't really know how to not chase the ball. And you've got to be really careful. You're creating compulsion, not play. That's yeah. not... That's not the thinking side of the brain active whatsoever. That's I think that's massive. Yeah. When you say, when I tell people, it's like OCD. Like, yeah. they need to chase it. I was listening to um, Dr. Julie Ashton, um, uh, behavior vet, a uh, cu- couple of years ago. And um, I actually don't know too much more about this, but we do need to be a little bit careful uh, using the term OCD with dogs. Okay. Um, because we don't actually know if they become obsessive, but it, that she was it saying compulsion. Yeah, it was yeah. more compulsive. CD. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. CD. Compulsive, oh, she did say yeah, it. yeah. Uh, compulsive disorder rather than obsessive compulsive. It's, te- it's technicality, but I yeah. suppose we should, if we're going to be right, then we should be. No, accurate. that's that's a good point, and I think yeah, I'd like to look more into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, basically, what we're looking at when dogs are playing fetch. Are they in a frame of mind where they're actually engaging with others and or are they just compulsively playing uh, fetching that ball um, and then you know and we're going to talk in the future about dog parks, but just to t- put the iceberg here, if you take that dog that isn't playing and is compulsive into a dog park, which is a social environment, you are not taking a social dog into a social setting but I think that's what people think of course. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take it to be social in the dog park and then throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, If you think about it, it's, it's like that weird wide-on dog. Like taking a kid to a party and giving it a fucking iPad. Yeah. It's not It's not engaging. No. And at the end of the day, you know, if that kid doesn't like the other kids, you know, maybe, maybe we've got a bit more social peer pressure to take that kid to go and engage with the kids. So he's got to turn up to his friend's birthday party. But your dog, you don't have that peer pressure. He well, doesn't have to be in the fucking dog park. No, I know, but I think people socially feel that peer yeah, pressure. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying right now, yeah, you do not have to. No. <laughs> like, and I think that's when I tell people, they're like, ah, oh, take my dog, you know, to the park every twice a day or once a day. And I'm like, you actually don't have to take them. Mm-hmm. There like, are many other places. Yeah. Or maybe it's better for them to not be walked, you know, so much. If the dog is mental. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I the dog is a player like that, I, I ask them, look, if you're going to play with your dog, like, uh, if you're going to play with your dog, play with communication. Yeah. Sit, stay. Uh, and But do it in a... But if your dog even then gets fixated, you need to look at one, whether it's worthwhile doing. Are you really playing with the dog or is mm-hmm. the dog just fixated? Um, but two, do it in an environment like your garden or your home where it's not going to learn this hyper arousal and antisocial frame of mind in a public setting where we you'd expect it and complain if it wasn't being social and then the other thing is when you come home and you're like why are you still wired mm. why are you still crazy maybe we need to go for an hour and a half next time yeah they start adding fuel to that fire like yeah they think that that running it and triggering that side of the brain is uh going to tire them out it will make them crash and burn, but then you need to do the same thing tomorrow, the next day, twice, probably a bit harder. So you keep adding and adding and adding. And, you know, we've said this before about that is not a way to tire a dog out. Like, that is a way to exhaust a dog. But a tired dog's the same as a tired human. Yeah. Antisocial, intolerant, Grumpy. blah, blah, blah. I've said it many times. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you end up creating a dog that is running on adrenaline and cortisol every day. And it, and then it doesn't just want to play, it needs to play, it needs its fix, and you create an addict. And it's like, the amount of times now I've sat there in a consultation, I had one a few weeks ago in uh, Surrey Hills, and the, this French bulldog was, um, it will pick up the ball, it would roll the ball, pick up the ball, roll the ball, and it would... It was a bouncy ball, so it wouldn't just like chase it like a little bit. It was like frantically chasing it, and you're like, "You're if you give that dog the ball one more time, it is like giving an addict one last hit." Yeah, it is not playing. It is in. It's on struggle street, <laughs> and it is not in a good place. And um, one of the things that scares me is um, the way our society is heading with these things, phones, right. <laughs> They take the these things. these things, that thing. It uh, it takes the um, interaction out of the person. Yeah, you know, with we we joke we can joke about it all we want, but the reality is, you know, dating apps, swiping takes the human element of dating out of it. Uh, social media takes away interaction on a human level. Um, I read a study recently about how since smartphones have come around, the average span, attention span of a human being has gone down from 12 seconds to 8. We now have less of attention span officially than a goldfish, which is 9 seconds. What? Yeah. So, got oh, that's really the, bad. the saying now should be, got the attention span of a human. <laughs> the goldfish would be like, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Win for me. But the knock-on effect of that is if we, if, if, we lose our ability to communicate with humans and we normalize not communica communicating or we, we normalize and put priority on that method of communication with each other. Communicating with our dogs becomes even harder as a generation. Oh, yeah. But you, you see it all the time in the dog park where people are on their phones and their dogs are running around crazy doing not great stuff. People aren't reading body language or seeing even where their dog is. Sometimes this dog comes to me, I'm like, where is the owner? Oh, they're over there on their phone. Yeah. Like, oh, he's just being a dog. Like, don't, And it's, they're not trying to be dickheads, I get that. But they inadvertently are. Yeah. Um, they, it's a lack of awareness that that is the way dogs communicate and socialize. And just because we're losing our way with that, they're never going to. Yeah. They're never going to change that. They're always, as a species, going to be non-verbal communicators. And we owe it to them to learn how to communicate with them. And that strips it back to that conversation. Like me and you sat across the table having a chat. And, you know, trying not to be a dickhead to one another. <laughs> Please. You know what I think of, though? I am actually really grateful that I didn't grow up with smartphones. To be honest, because I had to go to sporting, you know, I had to communicate with people in that way. Like, and this generation, they're just growing up We're on social media and, and they're not talking to people. Like, how many people do you know? I call everyone all the time. I love chatting on so the phone. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I love texting, but I love calling people. Like, everyone would be like, I, I'm just like, oh, hey, like, yeah. want to chat. Yeah. Kids these days are not doing that. No, I mean, I don't really know much about what the kids are doing. I don't call kids very often. Um, but I mean, but I can. A lot of nieces and nephews. <laughs> I can see how it's happening. I, I, I get a little bit anxious if I have to make a phone call. 
I can yeah. sit and so that I can it's so easy this this thing makes it so easy to sit in my comfort zone mm-hmm. um I get it I understand how and why it works I just don't think it's healthy um to be I think it's a very valuable tool but yeah. I don't think it's healthy to be relied upon I think there's very dangerous uh path to go down when it comes to how it's affecting our dogs because oh, definitely. look at the advertising of um products pet products towards people these days so many of them are geared up to take the emphasis off of you having to interact with your dog oh. which is fucked i that is so true and you know what i saw the other day and my heart stopped like i just went what is this toy you're gonna, you're gonna hate this. Yeah, well, I hated it. I nearly tagged doing it, but I knew you'd, you'd you know, be so like, angry you're about it. So it was this ball, right? And it has all these lights on it, and it bounces itself. Oh fuck! I've signed. So it's like this ball, lights flashing everywhere. And it's like this, and there's all these dogs, and I, my skin was crawling. I was like, this is the worst toy I've ever seen, like by far the worst. Moving itself. That's just me right now. Just so you know, I'm just fucking sick of that shit. Like it was—it's so here. bad. And then the the tug one, where you stick the tug in the ground, yeah, and the dog pulls on the tug, yeah, like that. Um, even the ball chucker put the ball in. The dog, the dog puts the uh, the ball in, and it chucks it itself. Like honestly, like you are creating a fucking idiot of a dog that can never communicate. And it's become and it's driven by the companies that are trying to sell you that shit to make you feel guilty for not entertaining your dog. You're still not. Yeah. Stop it. It's like the was it like the the parent that just uh, doesn't invo- get engaged with their kids, just buys them gifts. It's like, no, your your kid will learn that you never ever interacted with it. Yeah. And there's a consequence. Like the kid will resent the dog, uh, the parent, but as a consequence, the dog learns that never le- never learns how to communicate it's, yeah. it is a massive lack in its life and interaction is the with others and connection with another living thing is for me it's a personal thing but it's for me is the most valuable loving like that that connection with another thing is the most important thing in life like full stop, like beyond anything else, beyond money, beyond absolutely anything else. Yeah. Connection is everything. And what those toys are doing are actively removing that from dogs who can't even say, I can't, I'm, I miss it um, verbally. You know, they, they become compulsive and they become reflexive and they just live in this horrible fucking frame of mind. And it just makes me sad. I, I'm actually feeling really sad right now because you're right. And, and in puppy school, the first thing we say is we want to build a relationship with your dog. We yep. want them to understand you and we want you to understand them and to be able to communicate. And you see from lesson one to lesson five how much communication there is between the dog and the owner. And the last lesson we do recall. And when they come back to them, I'm like, there you go. You could never do that on week one because you didn't have that bond. You didn't have that interaction. And it's just simple little things like playing with the tug the game we'll explain that in a sec and then also like even sit stay feeding time just interacting with them yeah. over those being five able to weeks communicate yeah being able to communicate what you would like and understanding what they're saying and being able to hear it when they communicate 
Yeah. That's everything. Actually, people just, don't think that's important, but it's always. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. until you highlight it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this whole episode's about is about actually just making sure that, yeah, we're highlighting this because for us as individuals that work with dogs and people, connections, everything. Yeah. Communications, everything. Um, one of the things I'm, I think we might end on this note, um, it won't be a quick note, but we'll end on it. <laughs> um, it will be, is uh, this old myth that tug of war is bad. Oh, how many times do you hear I, I go, okay, so we're going to play a tug game. They're like, oh, no, if it wins, then it's dominant. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Great. Camera's on you. I love these moments. So if it doesn't know when the camera's on her and when it's not, and it's really fun for me. Um, <laughs> I'm glad people can see how weird I am now. Because <laughs> during the other podcast, I was just like doing all these actions, but you can't see. Yeah, this is why this second half of the series is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been on you the whole time. <laughs> it changes. Um, tug of war is a means of building a communication pattern with your dog. It's not about winning and losing, but you can absolutely create whatever communication patterns you set out for. And by that, I mean, if you only ever encourage your dog to pull, 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 harder, pull, harder, pull, harder, pull, harder, and never train it out to release, you'll create an idiot. Yeah. You'll, every time you engage with it, every time a hand's going in space, every time the toy goes in space, every time it pulls at clothes, you're teaching it. When I engage with you in this way, pull really hard. And because it's going to enjoy it, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, you will create an idiot. You can just create a monster of a dog that you can't. Nobody's ever told a dog off for not pulling the toy. Yeah, <laughs> it's always <laughs> or pulling on their clothes. Yeah. So when you are playing that game, play and the toy is a reward, but it goes back down to what is that? We were just saying like, what's the most rewarding thing? Interaction. So I had a client at the weekend again. Um, it was sat down chewing its antler and. Uh, they had a rope toy next to it. And when I said to her, like, okay, we're going to talk, I talked to her through play and blah, blah, blah. It's like, what we're going to do is going to teach you how to play with the dog and how the interaction with the toy is more rewarding than the toy itself. Mm-hmm. So my interaction with the game is the reward. And she said, what do you mean? I was like, well, that, that rope toy sat there. It's just sat there. She's not engaging it's nothing. It. Yeah. I go over to it. I put my hand on it. Bump. Dog's like, hello, how you doing? All of a sudden, the dog is interesting in the rope toy. That proves to me that the do- the me interacting with that rope toy is more valuable to the dog than the rope toy. Um, and at which point I can use my movement and my interaction to ask for something from the dog and reward the dog. Yeah. So if I want her to chase, I'll bring her in and I'm like, come on, go on, get it, get it, get it. And I'll try and lure her onto it and make her, make her chase it. And this is going to stimulate the dog and this is me engaging with the game and it's our reward. And this is before the dog's got it in her mouth. She's trying to get it and get it and get it. And I bring it up to a stop just above the, high, the dog's nose and ask it to sit. I give her clarity, known behavior. Sit, boom, dog sits down. Or as soon as it, uh, or if it doesn't, I wait. Yeah. And I wait for that dog's adrenaline to come down to go, what the fuck did he say? Oh, he said sit. I know that. I can do that. Once it's heard me, process the information and completed the behavior, I'll engage in the game again. Good girl, well done. And we just go again, go again, get the dog. And the dog learns if we repeat this, that me listening, me doing the action that he asked for, means that he's going to play with me faster. Yeah. Um, it is a gauge, like I say, like when I say sit, 
I am saying, can you hear me? Can you process? Can you complete? Because if I continue and you can't, I'm I'm rewarding an overstimulated brain. Yeah. I'm also encouraging calm behavior and bringing it back down into a social frame of mind. That's before she's even got it in her mouth. That's just a general chase game. Come and get it. Um, when the dog gets it in its mouth, it goes up another gear and because it's more achievable. The dog is more, it, it's, it's obvious for me, but it's, it believes it's probably going to win. So it becomes more achievable. So it's going to be less inclined to stop. And that's where I'll pull, 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 and I'll ask for a release. If the dog goes, I can't, I'm just too overstimulated. I think I'm going to win this one. I'll pull out a treat. Stop yeah. that moving, pull out a treat, drop, and wait. Dog might start carrying on, but essentially when I'm asking, I'm not going to engage in the game again. Release, or start, or drop it, whatever word you want to use. And once the dog softens its mouth and lets go of the toy, I'll ask it to sit. I'll ask it to do another behavior. Sit. Good. Reward. One thing I was just going to quickly say is um, don't move your hand back. when. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, because a lot of people will be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you can't, you can't move your hand. Just keep it still. Trust the process. Keep it still. Have the treat. It's going to let go eventually, but you need patience. Well, the reason behind, uh, what I try to explain to people behind that is the key to removing anything from the dog is not removing it from the dog. It's uh, train, training the dog <laughs> yeah. to remove itself when asked. Yeah. So if I go, leave it. And pull it away. The dog hasn't fucking learned to leave it. No, it's going to get Because as soon as it's there again, <laughs> it's like, and you don't want to snatch. It's habit. It's habit. It's, it is. People, yeah. We go, don't. Yeah. Well, it depends on your body language of this person though, because I don't. Like, difference in, uh, I'm going to use a stereotype, men and women, but it's it's not all the same. But um, myself, as a man, I don't get yeah. rid of them. And some people, that's their natural body language, whereas some people go, don't. Yeah. And pull it back. So we're going to t when we're teaching people how to play, we're going to make sure that we're in tune with what their natural communication pattern is and work mm -hmm. with them on it. Yeah. But if you if you go don't and pull it away, you create a race, a trigger, a movement stimulant to go and get it, and more inclined to chase it. Whereas if you go don't and leave it there, and the dog goes, why why won't this guy engage? Why won't this toy move if I stimulate it? And it's like because you're not doing what I asked. It will when you settle. When it finally settles, good reward. Timing of reward and removal of reward. It's uh, negative reinforcement. <laughs> Don't think about that. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's a really cool way then. Like I, I kind of explain to people that training, pe training dogs through food is quite robotic. It slows it down and it gives you an opportunity to just make it nice and simple and, you know, sit, good, treat, stay, good. And everything's quite standard. Yeah. Play is very fluid, very movement orientated. And basically the faster things move, the higher the arousal level goes up. And so you're asking through training, through play, you're essentially uh, trying to create communication patterns under high arousal. So it's a very good bridge between um, building, a building a dog's communication pattern in quiet places to busy places. It's, it's a great tool to use. Yeah. And it's the same with fetch. You know, if I sit, stay, throw the ball, and before I give a release, I might go, can you lay down, please, mate? And once he lays down, thanks, go, off you go. I might ask the dog to come to me and then reward him. I'll avoid doing what the dog would do reflexively and ask it to think 
and I get a dog that is completely in tune with me, finds listening rewarding, and it's a beautiful relationship. Ah, oh, yeah. I love that moment. So my sister with Kevin, <laughs> JSP, <Kevin. laughs> um, I was with her for the week and I taught her the tug game with him. And at first he was an idiot and he was just like, Rah! so I was like, okay, we're going to go through it slowly. Cause it's, I think, especially with the big dog, it's a lot harder to play tug cause they're a bit, you know, legs everywhere and trying to jump up and everything like that. So it takes a little bit of time for them to understand what you want them to do. Um, and the other day she sent me a video of her playing tug with him and I was so happy. Like he was really enjoying it and she was enjoying it as well. And I was like, you're making him think as well. You're mentally tiring him out too. And you're getting his arousal level high and then you're bringing him back down again, getting it high, bringing it back down again. And then he's buggered yeah. after it, and five, it, ten minutes. And this sounds so simple, but and it's the same with like fetch and tug, right? If you want, if in this method, like don't tug, like don't put the dog's toy in its mouth and like rev him right up and then expect him to calm down quickly. Yeah. If you... A play and fetch, don't launch the ball super fast past their ears, like really far, and expect them to be able to ignore it. Slow it down at first. So, Build like, it up. yeah, like start with a sit stay, gently roll the toy, or just place the toy and move back from it. Okay, go. Like, build up that uh, ability to show restraint. Yeah. Um, first, and uh, where the dog can uh, actually achieve it. So, you know, we were talking uh, at the weekend, no, sorry, on Thursday last week, we were talking about the dog that couldn't, we tried to implement tug. Oh, yeah. And um, the dog was basically an epic fail uh, because we would, we'd set it up to fail. We were playing tug and trying to teach it a release with a toy that it had got a previous learned association of hyper arousal with. So it never, it was, it, we, we didn't consider that in the, in the uh, first console. So even though we were just placing it in the dog's mouth and then asking it to release without actually moving it, the dog was like, no, this is, this is my play toy that I'm going to go fucking crazy with. So I said, well, let's change the toy. Let's go and get a new one that's got a clean slate and no prior learned association. Place it in the dog's mouth and train it to release really early so that, that it give it a chance to learn that communication pattern. Um, if the dog can't do it, it means we've set it up to fail. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the dog... Uh, being being a mole. <laughs> Technical <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. um, is there anything else that we needed to cover today on play? I can't really remember. Um, I, I think that was it. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, we, um, I'm sure we'd, lo we'd love your feedback on this, of course. So, yeah. yeah, like I'm pretty sure that this is quite an engaging topic. Um, that's why we talk about it. Yeah, um, it's not... A finger pointing either. Like no, I want people to is. know that too. Yeah. But I just want people to know that, you know, if you're doing these things, you can change it now. Yeah. And yeah. listen to this and listen to why you should change it. Yeah. Like, That's all. We're just educating. I feel like sometimes people think we're pointing fingers and being like, you're a bad dog owner. Yeah. No, this is what we're doing this for to educate. I had a really good um, analogy the other day about um, if, is it too late to change? And it was nothing to do with dogs. It was talking about, um, actually talking about entitled children um, as adults. Yeah, I know. Where uh, were you reading? Uh, Gary V. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary so, V. Right. I love him. He's a funny guy. But, but um, he, made a, he had a really good analogy. He's like, and it would be the same when it comes to like a dog that has been playing a certain way for you know, 10 years or whatever. 
Um, if you start making the change now, don't expect him to be really good at it in six months. It's like if expect him to just like if I started eating really healthily and started working out in six months time, I'm not going to be a fitness model. You know, like I'm not, I, I, I will, I, they've guys have got a head start. They started earlier. Yeah. They've done it all their life. They're good at it. Like I will be in better shape than I am now. If I start today. Yeah. It's not too late to learn is what I'm getting at. Like, no. Yeah. It's, it's um, just because you've been doing something all your life doesn't mean that it's too late to change. I always say like smoking, you know, people that smoke, you can, you can stop. Yeah. You might go backwards. But mm. if you start now, you've got a better chance of giving up. Yeah. Yeah, we get caught up with our own uh, perception of our own limitations, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, just wanted to say as well that every interaction that you have with your dog is an opportunity for learning. It is. That's what I always like to say. It's my new little saying. Oh, you love a saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though because that's, that's what it is. So every interaction you have. Dom said it to me years ago. In fact, I don't think she actually said it to me directly. Um, I just caught her saying it in passing. Um, Dom from the Dog Brigade, it was on last week, week before. Um, she was saying uh, that when you're in your dog's presence, they're learning from you. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether you 100%. mean to be training your dog or not is yeah. uh, kind of irrelevant if you're in their presence. I think I read a long time ago, and I don't actually know how accurate this stat is but even if it's not it's not going to be a million miles off and it's going to be quite relatively accurate is uh, your dog looks at you on average every four seconds really yeah like when it's in your presence it looks at you every four seconds it like learns constantly like, what, what are the, you doing well it's constantly monitoring change in its environment i think that's fascinating yeah um so yeah learn how to communicate with your dogs through play is the aim of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. And remember, folks, a healthy dog's a happy dog. Woo. And that was the podcast.